Amen. Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. Today's gospel reading um, is uh, regarding the Samaritan woman. And um, as we all know that the Samaritan woman, because of her, because of some background that uh, was involved in her life, she was uh, rejected by her community. And because of that, she herself withdrew herself from, um, from the community. And so in this time, we, it's clear that she experienced sadness, loneliness, despair, frustration, and all of these many feelings. But by the end of the gospel, we, we read something that maybe seems harsh. That the people, um, after she had told them about Christ, and then they went themselves to go and experience uh, Christ for themselves. Um, after that, they told her, well, now that we've heard him, we believe not because of you, but because of him. And um, there's a sort of rejection here. I don't know the, we don't know what the, what the real feelings were in this, in, the say, in this saying or in this response. But her response, though, is different in the sense that what we know of her after the gospel is that she clung to Christ, she became an evangelist, and she preached the gospel to the people. And so this is very different than an initial reaction that she had, which is that you reject me, then I reject myself, and I, will, I withdraw myself from everyone. Whereas her reaction or her response this time is that I draw closer to the body of Christ. And so it's like one who has been crushed and finds faith in Christ cannot be crushed again. That the feeling of rejection is no longer going to be based on a human reaction. But now that I have Christ, it is based on, on the strength that I have in Him. And that's why even, with this, even in this last statement in which they say, we believe in Him not because of you, but because of Him. She took it with joy. This became her calling. And so what made her, what made her ministry successful is that she didn't look to, at th this time, she didn't look to acceptance from the people because now she, she knows the truth. She has the truth. And of course, us, just like the Samaritan woman, we have the things that affect us in our lives. And they may be things from external influences or external sources. They may be things that are internal to us. But the Lord, even though it must have felt for the Samaritan woman like it was a hundred years, everything that she must have endured and suffered through, and yet, many times we also feel the same thing, that when we suffer in something, when we struggle with our, our sins, and when we face difficulties, it feels like forever. 
And God knows that, and yet in his wisdom knows exactly when and how to deal with all the people. Just as he dealt with the Samaritan in one, woman in one way, just as he dealt with the man who was paralyzed for 38 years, and just as he dealt with all of the people that we see in the Gospels. And so we ask, where are you, God? Where is the justice? Where is your mercy? And just as, just as she felt, but didn't realize that the low point in her life, for her to have reached it would eventually be her transformation. It would event, eventually become the, the support for her transformation with Christ. And her faith would be made new because of her new encounter with God. And so there was a transformation that was made. And could we say that the same transformation would have been had, been had she not experienced such troubles in her life? Um, Father Matthew the Poor, he was speaking to some of the, the, the monks and, and even to some of the novices in the monastery. And at the time that he was telling this story, he was already a monastic for at least like 35 years. And so he said that, you know, when he went into monasticism, he was, he thought, okay, this is going to be great. It's going to be peaceful and I'm going to enjoy my life. And uh, then he goes on to say that he experienced immense pain and hardship. And so, of course, the people said, well, would you do it again? And he said, of course, because of the spiritual things that he encountered. He said specifically, the things that cost me so much hardship are precisely what built up my faith and moved me forward in spiritual life. The things that cost me so much hardship and precisely what built up my faith and moved me forward in spiritual life are all of the hardships that he faced. There was even another time when a monk said uh, that, you know, he said, yeah, when I joined the monastery, someone told me that, you know, many of the other monks said that It'll, your life will be joyful and, and peaceful. And Father Matthew the Poor responded and said, well, they are liars. And so we know this truth. And so God takes the product of corruption that affects us and by our faith redirects it to glorify him. And we see this in the stories of many people. If we look at St. Moses the Strong, who was mighty and killed and, and was a murderer and became for us an icon of transformation and God through change this God changed him because of his will and by that he used his his even his forcefulness to bring those to bring others to repentance literally there were story there are stories when when he knows someone and he bound them and dragged them to the church to repent and to confess and to come to Christ. I won't try that, but... <laughs> and St. Mary of Egypt, of course, we know the story of St. Mary of Egypt who, who was focused on one thing, was to satisfy her lust, her lustful desires. And, she, and it, this, this addicting feeling that she continued to pursue, that when she was changed by her will and by the power of God, that she became addicted to giving herself to Christ by committing herself to a life in the wilderness. And so the point is, is that when we've reached 
these low points, we become, we become aware of our weaknesses and God knows how to transform us if we let him. It's inevitable that we experience perpetual change throughout life. And some of the changes that we experience can be very uh, violently obvious. And some changes that happen in our life can pass by our conscience unnoticed. And since we will always change, and this change is inevitable, what's, not, what's important is not whether we change or not, because we will change, but is how we change. We can embrace the change and have control over it, or we can become victims to change. And so whatever the change is that happens, it is always within our power to determine the direction or the response to that change. By worldly standards, when something happens, when a change happens in our lives, we usually filter that experience through our own personal mentality. We think about the things that we like, we dislike, what are our goals, our desires, what are our, our opinions, our personal beliefs. Everything that we encounter, we filter them through this mentality. And so everything is according to our judgment. Now we know that in the past, we have found that people who, who insisted on a certain way or a certain idea that it was discovered that they were wrong. How many people thought that the earth is flat? How many people th thought that, uh, that the sun revolves around the earth? And eventually we realized that they were wrong. They didn't find out personally, but they died and went and we figured it out. And so change is to have the mind of God and not the mind of self. Our spiritual lives cannot be according to how I approach it or, um, or that it is simply by instruction or knowledge only. We need mentors in our lives and spiritual fathers in our lives, but we also must each change according to the way that God knows how to manifest himself through us but we must allow him to inspire us. We ask many times God to, to change us, to, get, to change us and for us to grow spiritually. And many times God responds, actually every time God will respond, but we don't perceive that he has responded to my request. Number one is because I usually forget what I requested. And number two is that whatever his answer is tends to be um, very difficult. So when you ask for patience from, if you ask God for patience, someone will soon upset you. When you ask for wisdom, you are soon to be approached with something confusing. When you ask for discernment, a, a big decision is soon to be made. That is God's, that is God's way of responding to us that by spiritual, that by change that happens in our life, that the way we change in, inside in our hearts is determined by my mind and how, and how I filter through all of the events and all of the struggles that I endure, whether I have the mind of self or whether I have the mind of God. 
And so when that change comes, we must respond to the change through the lens of God so that we can be renewed just as we see in the lives of many of the saints. There's this monastery that has this tradition where every year they'll watch a video of like when the monastery established and they reminisce on, on that, that early, those early days and as they saw s some of the people uh, and one of them said, oh, do you remember when father so-and-so um, had his, his heart attack? And he was still living uh, when, he, when he was telling this, this story. And so for him, it became a violent change. There was a violent change that happened in his life that he suffered from a heart attack. By God's grace that he survived, but it changed everything for him. And so although, yes, this is an important element that one should think about when they experience, when we experience violent violently obvious changes is that he said, yes, I, I needed to think about how I needed to change my diet and I needed to think about how to, you know, what medications I'm now going to have to take and, and so forth. But to him, his new outlook was to use every moment for spiritual growth, to use every single moment. And this is coming from an elder who already has committed himself and dedicated his life for Christ and to serve the monastic community and to serve the people through his prayers. And he comes and says, what what the change that happened was, was violently obvious and it changed my life. And I couldn't simply say, okay, I just need to be healthier. But he said, no. The way I think about it through the mind of God is that any moment I can depart from this world any moment that I have on here, I should cherish it. Every moment that I have here on, in this world, I use it, for, I use it for, ho for a life of holiness. And so his new outlook is that every single moment is for spiritual growth. And so how do they, how do they come to make this response to this change? Uh, St. Paul, he says... We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Always carrying about in the body and dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. So it is, it is the, life of, the life of repentance in the sense that the way that I react and respond to change that happens in my life, that for me to change, there must be repentance but I must be reminded of the sacrifice of God. St. Mary of Egypt in her story, when, when, when we hear about that, that she tried to enter in the church and there was a force that was resisting her entrance into the church. And that bothered her. That bothered her, and, but not in a way where maybe if I filter through it in a worldly sense, I'm going to say, well, that's messed up. I'm just going to leave. But no, I want to know why I want to know why this is, th I am not allowed in here. And she came obviously to realize that she needed to be repentant. And she says, so I was admitted without hindrance and went in the Holy of Holies and I was found worthy to worship the mystery of the precious and life-giving wood of the cross. 
Thus I understood the promises of God and realized how God receives those who repent. So it is by her repentance, by her desire to, she doesn't know anything about Christ and says, I want to change because the people that I'm observing, they have this faith and they have this grace in them that I want to, that I want to participate in this worship. But the first thing that she looks at that she is desiring to be made worthy of is to worship the cross. And so it is by the death and the resurrection of Christ that we, that we desire this life of repentance. And by this repentance, I seek change, not in, a, not in the earthly way of, of reacting or responding to things in, in the world, but by responding first with repentance. The other is for us not to get caught up in defining why something occurred. Why this event happened? Why do I have this health problem? Why do I have this and that? Father Matthew the Poor, he said that there is no why in spirituality. You have duties, but no rights. You know, we had, we had a baptism today. And the whole point of most of the prayers in the baptism, that there is this, this exorcistic rite, there is this exorcism that occurs to withdraw from, uh, to withdraw from uh, evil and to submit myself to the will of God. That I am now, I commit myself to Him. So he says, you have duties, no rights. Welcome to the Christian life, he says. Don't go searching for reasons and explanations. Don't judge things before the proper time. The proper timing of all things is after this life is over. The secrets of men's hearts will be revealed and the true intentions of each man's heart will be displayed by God. But for now, you cannot absolutely distinguish what is evil from what is good. And in the same verse that I read from St. Paul's, we read, we are perplexed but not in despair. We are perplexed. But that doesn't mean that I have to find the answer to everything. On the, co on the contrary, change is by, when change occurs and I seek to change my heart, it is that I change from seeking the logic and, and trying to define and understand everything and at some point saying that I leave everything into the hands of God. And not that, not that we don't try to use the change that happens in our lives as tools for our growth and spiritual life, not that we don't seek to, to, to try and reflect on some of these things, but not for, for it not to consume us. And he offers, Father Matthew the Poor, he offers a very simple, a very simple approach to change that happens in our life. He says, once the mind has reached its furthest possible point in solving its perple life's perplexities, I say to it, stop right there. That's enough for you. Go to sleep now and wait for the morning to rise peacefully. Then I lay my head down until the glow of morning sunshine and a new day brings to me 
a radiant joy. Sometimes when we deal with the change that happens in our lives, we deal with them on a, on a per case basis. Oh, life seems to be okay. Oh, there's an issue now. So, okay, now let me, let's, let's try to resolve this. Whereas Father Matthew, he's saying it's every day. Every day I wake up and it's, and it's a new day for repentance. It's a new day for change. It's a new day that when change happens in my life that I seek to change my heart so that I may see everything around me through the lens of God, not through the lens of humans. And then, of course, by doing so, we continue in our faith, just as, just as the many saints who transformed, who were transformed in their lives, continued their faith and their, and their work in and their work. And so we also must continue. Again, in that same verse that, that I read from St. Paul's, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And so back to the Samaritan woman who was rejected before, but then after Christ, experienced joy in this change. Again, if she used the human standard, she would have fallen in despair again, saying, you're not the reason why I follow Christ. I, I, found, I found Christ. It's because I, I came to hear his words. She found joy and continued in her faith, becoming one of the most powerful saints in the church. She changed, and we don't know all of the events that happened in her life, both the violently obvious change that happened in her life and the subtle changes. But she changed, and when Christ entered into her life, she left the despair to the side. And so the change that happened is that she no longer, she changed her heart to no longer see through the eyes of, of, of man, but eyes of God. So for each of us, God will allow things to create this change, to give us an opportunity to change. Some things obvious and some things subtle. And, for, and they are, and whatever they are, we respond by asking how I can grow spiritually by this change. That through prayer to be reminded of God's promises as St. Mary of Egypt. Third is to allow per perplexity and give ourselves rest. And the fourth is not to lose heart, but to be renewed by our faith. To him be the glory both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.